8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. So we'll have the podcast of Jonathan Shapiro. Zapiro's trade name is we'll have it up tomorrow morning 9 o'clock uh, and maybe Google Google those other things that he spoke about uh, the one about Abraham's the one that he regrets and of course the other three uh, and, and we'll see which is the third one they'll use which is the Madiba one of, of the many that he's uh, depicted okay so the Olympics the rape of Lady Justice and one of them from Madiba and he's top three okay but the one that he regrets as well uh, as he said Sean Abrams the one about the the monkey story but just Give me your thoughts on all of that. Uh, right now, and also yesterday, we had um, the CEO of the Ahmed Kathrada Foundation, and uh, we've got a podcast of his up right now. So go to the website, safm.coza. Well, after the show, of course, you need to listen to what we're going to talk about next and also check it up on my timeline as well. So let's talk foreign policy. Let's talk South Africa's foreign policy. What is what is South Africa's foreign policy now? What do you understand by it? And that's one. Uh, number two, uh, what what should that foreign policy be? Okay, it's going to the future because things are changing as always. And then if you reflect on what was our foreign policy before 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 this year, before 2018, and maybe even before that, how did it differ from that period before 1994? All of that and more. I welcome your thoughts. I welcome your viewpoint. And let's make it clear. Often you call in, I agree with your views. Often you call in, I disagree. Your viewpoint does matter as long as you come on the air and use whatever you say. You back it up and very clear, don't stray from the topic because then it's my job to interject you and bring you back in line. And when you do come on, don't give a speech. Give a, a specific point, back it up with, with why you believe so. And then we have a chance to others, for others to respond as well. Okay, so what we'll do then, John Stremlau is with me. Um, and he's done many things, been in South Africa, well, from the USA, been in South Africa, and back home, and then back in the country once again. Professor John Stremlau is, uh, well, heads up international relations at the University of the Advances Run. Appreciate your time, Professor Stremlau. Good chatting to you. Well, good evening, Ashraf. How are you? Very good indeed. So, so in many ways, I mean, you, you've been involved, uh, A, from the USA, then in our country, and, and you, I think, primed to, to understand the changing face of South Africa's uh, foreign policy, right? So what is your understanding of it right now? Like, what can you detect in terms of what's our policy? Foreign policy is always difficult to pinpoint when a country is undergoing profound internal changes and there is some question about um, the future of the nation and its identity in the world. I was really impressed uh, very positively by uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa's uh, appearance in New York um, a couple of weeks ago when he um, unveiled the Nelson Mandela statue at the United Nations headquarters, which was, um, I should say in a quick aside, a wonderful counterpart to the rather um, nationalistic and selfish outlook that was articulated to some laughter by Donald Trump a couple of days later. But um, what, what Ramaphosa, I thought, was rightly doing and has done since his February 11th announcement, this would be the year of Nelson Mandela, his centennial, is to try to remind South Africans of their better uh, nature of their desire for a country that, that belongs to all who live here and is united in its diversity, 
And if you're taking that kind of an approach, then your foreign policy should reflect your national values. And I sense that when Mandela was president, and indeed Thabo Mbeki's uh, initiative at the African Renaissance uh, era of South African foreign policy, which I taught a lot in those days at uh, WITS, and with great enthusiasm from the students, South Africa stood for a positive vision in the world, while at the same time pursuing its more immediate interests, whether they're trade or whether they're security in the region. Um, and, and that's really what I think Ramaphosa is trying to rekindle, and I applaud that very much. I heard his um, uh, remarks to the Council on Foreign Relations before the night before he delivered his UN speech, oh, and taken together... He's very, very good at articulating a vision for South Africa that is um, a very real counterpart to the American first, America alone, counter-multilateralism of Donald Trump. But after all, we know that then he comes back home and he's got to do the business of rekindling the democracy here, taking care of corruption and all the other pressing duties. He's got a very good foreign minister who can also articulate this vision, Lindiwi Sisulu, of course. Uh, but, but that's, I think, in a nutshell, what I think of as foreign policy. It's the national identity that's projected out onto the international stage. Mm. How, to what degree does domestic policy impact on foreign policy? Well, it's extremely important in a, in a negative sense. Uh, we saw during the Zuma years that... Um, the international engagement, whether it was over nuclear issues with the, with the Russians or um, the infamous uh, Gupta family and the economic spinoffs that we're debating right now today over BES Bank, um, that there was not any effort really other than the talking up of the BRICS, which is okay, but South Africa has important relations with each of these countries anyway, and it's not a vision for South Africa that it gives some sort of coherence. It was a very immediate um, uh, and materialistic preoccupation that was driving um, a, a departure from the, from the, I thought, much more positive and constructive uh, view that uh, Tabu and Becky took with regard to the future of the continent, which it, the continent needs a leader, a leader um, that, that it can inspire a further compromise and support for building the, the, the basis for uh, a, a, a one Africa united, even if it's a long-distance vision, there were really important steps along the road that he had put in place. And Zuma just sort of abandoned that, pursued the BRICS, uh, Brazil, India, uh, Russia, and China um, five-power relationship. But, but that's, that's also very hard to make concrete. It's, the, the country's future is really in Africa. And I think what, what Cyril Ramaphosa is doing is trying to refocus that. And that links very deeply to the domestic um, health of the economy, since the trade is so important in Africa. We export so many automobiles to Africa. We have so many ties and commercial and otherwise to Africa. But you can't succeed economically unless there's political stability in the continent. And that really should be South Africa's preoccupation, as it was during the Mbeki mm. years. And I think, we'll, to the extent that, that Cyril Ramaphosa can afford to spend time on these issues when he's battling with consolidating national unity and the party, ANC unity and national unity, uh, in the run-up to the 19 uh, elections next year. Yeah, well, I also... 
I welcome callers as well. So if you wish to engage with myself and, and certainly with our guest, Professor John Stremlau, on South Africa's foreign relations, that means our foreign relations policy or international relations, as one may call it now, I'm happy to take your calls. 0891104207. Are you able to pick out a sense of policy, what comes through, what is not very clear, what is ambiguous? Uh, many people will relate to South Africa's relations with a string of countries, some with proud human rights records, others not so. And what, what do you want to make of that? The other would be, again, South Africa dealing with some of the big brothers of the world, in, in this case, of course, the United States, but also President Ramaphosa speaking uh, to the United Nations last week, as one would expect a, a leader of, of our country to do. All of that comes together. I, I suppose perhaps the, the thoughts to put forward is when, when one talks about foreign relations, can, can, we, can we think about it as, you know, how does a country engage in foreign relations? I mean, what would be their bottom line to it? Would the bottom line be we will engage in foreign relations only so far as it benefits our country or will it engage our in our foreign relations policy because we actually want to make the world a better place? It may not be the same thing, Professor Stremler. Well, um, you're making some very good points here, Ashraf, and, and it is a very big and complicated subject, but, but it's a risk of, of uh, being a little um, conceptual for a moment. Uh, I think there's a very important point to make about Africa as a laboratory for a post-Cold War new kind of international relations of which South Africa has been at the vanguard. And what I mean here is that international relations traditionally, as I studied it, was just interstate relations. What went on inside your borders was your own business. Donald Trump talks about this a lot, you know, sovereignty, sovereignty, sovereignty. And yet the problems of Africa are so interdependent with domestic internal affairs, whether they're health problems, climate change, economic interdependence, that they really have to look at what is going on within each other's states. And they don't have the institutions or the, or the norms well-developed to do that kind of foreign relations. And what South Africa pioneered in, in, in getting the African Union out of the Organization of African uh, unity, which was very sovereign-oriented. When, when the OAU, you never, ever commented on the internal affairs of other member states. And what South Africa did, I think, very usefully with the Nigerians, Obasanjo, and others, but Cabo uh, and Becky at the forefront, was to say, look, we can no longer be indifferent about the internal affairs of each other's states, because if we are not attentive to those kind of problems, we'll get refugees and humanitarian crises and interventions. And that's been the bad, the bad story of Africa. The brighter story is that you have these, con- these consensuses developing that are building regional economic communities and the African Union's overall framework. But to do that right, you really have to not be indifferent about how states are governed, Ostra. And that is not in the old IR textbooks that I studied. You just took for granted that it was interstate, one state to another. It didn't matter whether it was an authoritarian or a, or a democracy or communist or socialist. You just dealt with them as they were. That's not good enough for the 21st century. And in many ways, Africa is a laboratory, as I say, because there are 50 separate mm. states here, and, and all of them are committed, in principle, to cooperation and integration. Okay, let's get some calls right. Tabiso from uh, Polakwani, you're, you're live, you're on the air. What's your viewpoint? Well, well, I think uh, I, 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 I agree with the sentiment, sentiments that have been uttered. Uh, but to say that uh, 
I think it's important that uh, what South Africa could have lost in the previous eight years or nine years or so should be able to recover. I mean, uh, one remembers that uh, South Africa was uh, a good global player in terms of, all, among others, being able to promote peace in Africa and mm. being able to, you'd remember very well that we, South Africa as a country, was able to speak about uh, things like Nepal. I mean, if you remember in the African peer review mechanisms, which, among yes. others, many of the countries were able to participate in. I think what is important now is to be able to, with the new president, uh, to be able to, uh, uh, you know, recover what they would have been able to lose, to be the greatest global player in terms of making sure that one among others, it promotes peace in the African continent. Two, to make sure that uh, South, uh, South Africa itself becomes a great global player, even when it appears in the security uh, in the security council is able to be taken serious as a country that is able to assist and make sure that uh, most of our countries in africa is able to be able to do you know also that uh, our our country was among others criticized to, for what we call uh, 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 quite diplomacy with regard to the Zimbabwean situation one would imagine if south africa would have reacted differently to what some view would have reacted during the Libya situation. Something things, things could have not been mm, uh, mm, as mm. they are now in 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 the in the continent. Okay, so let's. I think, yeah, I think these are some of the things that we ought to be able to look back and say this is a country that this is a country that all the African countries sees as a hope to be able well, well, to make sure is, that do, do Africa they? have a, a long-lasting peace. All right. Do they Do they still see this hope, Tabiso? Thanks for that uh, call. We'll get to Safudi in a second. Uh, Professor Semna, re- respond to that call. Well, Tabiso is uh, very much on my wavelength, and I, I agree with him. And I'm, he was right to mention the um, NIPAD and the African Peer Review Mechanism, the African Charter for uh, uh, the Democracy, Elections, and Governance. Um, these are all... Um, building blocks for the kind of world that I think Tabiso and I would like to see. The problem, of course, is that uh, there's an awful lot of uh, bad behavior that goes on uh, inside and within and, and among states in, in, in Africa. And that's why the uh, South African uh, example is so important. If indeed we can find a way to um, develop uh, the kind of vision that uh, Mandela had and that uh, I think Cyril Ramaphosa would like to see rekindled that would give us moral authority. We have to be realistic, though, that the power that, uh, that South Africa has is limited when the needs of our, of our people are so great and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the inequalities that need to be overcome as we keep reading every day and, and, and weep over the lost revenues of the last several years when corruption has been so rampant. You've got to get that act cleaned up in order to be able to stand tall in the world. But I think people still remember that South Africa proved the impossible in the transition from uh, the horrible years of apartheid to uh, a, a, a better order. But there's a lot of unfinished business domestically, obviously. Okay, let's get let's get further calls. Um, Safudi, welcome from Ranfontein. Ashraf and your guests. You're on the air. Go ahead. Ashraf, you know, it doesn't help for us to engage on multilateral issues whilst we can't liberate materially for our country. It's correct. We've always been the laboratory 
for the superpowers because our leaders cannot liberate. Look at China. When it's supposed to meet South Africa, it doesn't meet South Africa alone. It meets the rest of the continent as though our needs and our thinking and our vision is the same. The same applies to the U.S., Britain. We are not respected because we cannot put our foot down to liberate economically for ourselves. He can quote Mandela, he can quote Mbeki, he can quote whoever, but we've never benefited economically and materially. Okay, got we've that. always lost. We got the short end of the, of the stick. stick. Let's, fi- let's find out. Sefulia, thanks for that. I mean, it's interesting call. We've never benefited economically and maybe socially. Is, is he right? I mean, what, what would be the role of a challenger brand? I mean, ultimately, we are a challenger brand, aren't we? Yes, the, the, um, the, the, the challenge, of course, that, that South Africa uh, has faced is to consolidate its democratic vision, its wonderful constitution, and, and that's what makes the opportunity costs of the last several years so painful because this is uh, a country of unmet needs, as the caller just pointed out. At the same time, I think to lift the, the, the spirits of the nation by... Uh, holding out uh, a vision of the future, which is in partnership with the rest of Africa in ways that are mutually beneficial, is extremely important. And that voices in today's world, especially as uh, so many of the major powers are afflicted right now with democratic reversals and, and rising popularism, that makes the kind of multilateralism that South Africa requires for its own interests to be advanced and that it has played such a role in, in trying to foster in Africa uh, when it, it had the luxury of doing so in the aftermath of 94, um, re- remains huge challenges, and, and there's no way of getting around that. Um, but, uh, but the caller is right to keep focusing on the problems internally, but there is not so much a, a foreign um, um, uh, you know, subversion of this by uh, as there was... In, in partnership during the apartheid years, then that there is now a, a chop opportunity for, for South Africa to stand tall if it can just pull itself together a bit more. And I think that's that's what Ramaphosa is. Is South Africa do. taken less seriously now than than what we were? What five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, nineteen ninety four specifically? Well, you know, I'm I yes, I think so. But I was also pleased and and surprised a little bit by the residual goodwill. People have long memories. I, my first visit here was in 78, and I never in my life thought that the country could solve the problems that confronted it, as, as, as President Ramaphosa reminded everyone when, um, when, when Trump sent that stupid tweet about the land issues, mm. and Ramaphosa said basically Trump didn't know what he was talking about, and he was absolutely right. But then he immediately turned and said, look, we solved the apartheid issue. Why can't we solve the land issue? We will stand up, solve the land issue, he said. And, um, and, and you know, that remains to be, to be fully tested. But there is a can-do attitude that South Africans have that I find very inspiring, speaking Good personally point. as someone who's moved here and come back here, because... Um, it, it picks up my spirits to see people still trying so hard against the odds. Well, there you are. Let's get let's get two more very quick calls. I'm going to take uh, Sakila first up, and then Bennett just in sort of thirty seconds each, if you can, please. Sakila, oh, go yeah, in. Hello. 
No, no. Hello? Yeah, Sakila, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, yes, yes. yes. You know, when, uh, one of the first trips uh, the president that you love the most, uh, uh, Ramaphosa, went to Saudi Arabia for foreign direct investment. So I was quite um, disturbed because Saudi Arabia is one of those countries which, like, women do, don't really have rights. They have limited rights. So understand that South Africa, South Africa is very, very vocal on women's issues and stuff. And when you have to go and ask for money so in Saudi Arabia, that confuses me. I think it's double standard from the state because they are always pushing the agenda of the women through the public broadcaster. When they can't do what, what they always talk about, so then it's a problem. Okay, got that. And, and maybe I'll take the last call as well. Uh, Bennett from Pumalanga, hello. Uh, hello, how are you doing, sir? I'm good indeed. What's your viewpoint? Uh, my viewpoint is um, I, I have always maintained that South Africa um, has not made enough impact on the African continent. And for it to, to try to make an impact you know, on the international stage, it will have to, 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 to maintain and consolidate its power on the African continent. And of course, South Africa is the most industrialized uh, you know, country on the continent. And South Africa was supposed to have... Yeah. Oh. I'm supposed to have capitalized on that to, 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 to market it very well on the African continent. We, we are a huge continent with, with, with over 1.2 billion people. And so we have the market here. We don't need the Chinese to be able to, to, to sell our, our raw materials. We have the market here on the, on, on the African continent. So I think that what South Africa has to do is to look at itself again and, and try to, to create, you know, trade, trade relations with, with, with these two African countries so that it can make impact on the African continent as it relies on its, um, I mean, on dominance as, as the most industrialized country so that it, it, it will Make an impactful meaning on the on the African continent as 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 it seeks to to make an impact on the on the globe as well. Okay, got so that. Much. Thank you for that, uh, Professor Stremla. Respond to those. Well, I, I I think you're probably getting to the end of this. Uh, yeah, we got about a minute and uh, a bit to go. Mm. Uh, so 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 let me rather than open up new subjects, to simply say that I think these comments are very provocative and useful for us to consider at the end of the day. Um, South Africa has always prided itself in making up its own mind on how to proceed, and it's always recognized it needs the help and cooperation of other countries, and, and it's proud enough in its own identity that it doesn't have to kowtow to bigger powers. It can just say, look, we're, we'll, we'll deal with you if you have something of interest to us, and we can offer something of interest to you. But the, but the really heart and soul of the foreign policy is its African policy, as you rightly mm-hmm. and everybody that's called in has said. So on that, on that positive note, the, the struggle continues. And, and can you be non-aligned? Well, there's nothing. What do you align with today? I think that South Africa should be aligned. It should be aligned to democratic values, to human rights the kind of ideals that made it the envy of so many other countries and so popular in the world, as we were reminded just a couple of weeks ago in New York, um, that that's the alignment that you want. You want the alignment to your own better commitments, but not in a a sense of of alignment in an international alliance. Those are going out the window, Ashraf. It's more a question of societies relating to others with dignity and pride and respect. Right. Just maybe the last thing is just, just two things. What's the one thing we're getting right? What's the one thing we're getting wrong with regard to foreign policy? Well, the thing that you're, you're getting right um, was the uh, focus on Africa and indeed the need for collective self-reliance for the continent, in which South Africa can be an um, example and also a leader 
and also an encourager. But there are limited resources and limited uh, uh, leverage for, for, for accomplishing these broad ideals. So taking the long view and getting students to re- recognize that the future of the country lies in Africa, and therefore we ought to engage and be, be as involved in Africa as a society as we possibly can, business and society and culture and literature and music, um, is, is the future. And, and, and that sounds very general, but it's for each person to decide how they can best make their contribution, Ashra. Okay, and that's where we're going to leave it. Appreciate you giving off your time. Professor John uh, Stremlau, uh, heading up international relations uh, at the University of the Advantage Fascinating understanding of South Africa's foreign policy. Do we have all the answers? No. But has it been a good debate? Absolutely. And it certainly gets us all thinking. And you, as a listener, should be thinking as well. So appreciate your time. Now, what, we, what we're going to do as well is we, we now, you may have heard, we've started earlier this week a feature that we call The Innovators. And, and why do we do that? Because The Innovators at its very core, is about a challenge to be innovative. And as you know, with all the problems in a world or in our country or anywhere, what you need is innovative thinking. And that's really what we're encouraging. So when people are innovative or innovative, we want to showcase that. And when they're not doing so, you and me and maybe others too, we want to be encouraged to become innovative in terms of finding solutions to existing problems with new ways of thinking, okay? So think about that. In the meantime, in a challenging world, it takes a village to raise a child. So join the Each One Teach One community on SABC2. That's Thursdays at 10.30 a.m. to share the experience of families, educators, and learners who have found the positive power inside them tapping into their own potential to build their self-worth. Each one, teach one, sharing, learning, empowering together. Brought to you by the SABC Education, Enriching Minds, Enriching Lives.